hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. As always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. I've got for you a banger of an episode. Um, I've got my good friends, Gabe Ledbetter, Joey Zapmary, and Andrew Hughes. And we are coming to you from one of my favorite places on earth, Hill Creek Outfitters. We're sitting around a fire on a back deck. We're talking about our expectations for the week and all the giant bucks we're going to kill. We're talking about Joey's lessons learned from last year. We're talking about late season hunting and much anticipated. We're talking about thoughts on the new Execute 32, the new trophy accessories, Joey's setup and what we hooked him up with for a new hunter and why we went with what we did. But guys, I promise you this, it's going to be a fantastic episode. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, so most of you are familiar with Gabe. He was on not too long ago. Most of you are familiar with Andrew. They're from Trophy Ridge. He was on not too long ago. And if you listened about this time last year, we had a national champion, world champion, regional champion, town champion, strong man. He's going to hug you after that introduction. Joey, Joey Zatmary from the Lion's Den. Joey, give us a quick introduction to yourself. I'm Joey, and uh, I like to lift things, lift all sorts of things. I'm a national champion strongman uh, for USS Strongman and the heavyweight 242 class and also the heavyweight 275 class, and I really enjoy the outdoors and hunting, and that's why I'm here. All right, so last year, which by the way was a wildly popular episode, I got a lot of comments saying, hey, thanks for bringing a, a new hunter on, and and talking about his experience, talking about his journey, um, which was encouraging. Uh, and last year, Joey shot a doe into Liberty Ranch there in Oklahoma. This year, we're at Hill Creek uh, Outfitters, and we had our we have our eyes set on a buck. Um, so, Joey, walk me through kind of the 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 starting. And again, guys, if you want to hear all about last year and Joey's first hunt, uh, jump back to about this time last year, and you'll find it uh, where we talk with Joey uh, about that hunt and everything he learned and. But how did that play into wanting to further it this year with the buck? Well, uh, last year, if you guys listened to the episode, there was a crazy experience. I'll just uh, go over real quick where I had got the dough and we waited about till lunchtime to go and, and you know check out the dough and harvest it. And when we were walking out there, I ended up seeing a 10-pointer about, 15, 20 yards away. I mean, this thing was a monster, just a stud. And it was one of those experiences where, you know, you're a little bit bummed because you know, obviously I didn't get the buck, but at the same time, I was just hungry <laughs> as ever to, to get that buck. Uh, so I'm just, I, I got addicted, you know, plain and simple. I got addicted. I got buck fever, as they say, like 
that's running through my veins and I don't think it'll ever go away. So now being able to come out here and have the opportunity to, to possibly, you know, get a buck, my first buck ever, that's, that's a huge, huge goal of mine. And I'm just absolutely stoked and excited about it. Yeah. No. Uh, so, I mean, ever since last year, you know, we had our, our eyes set on, on trying to do a buck this year and, and making sure and trying to get some horns on the ground. And so the first guy that came to mind, uh, one of my best friends, Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Gabe Bloodbetter, Hill Creek Outfitters. In the house. Here I am. And uh, avid outdoorsman, really good cook, mediocre guide. Like, I'm like, I'm like, this is the guy we need to go with, you know? Um, and so I call him like, hey, dude, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to bring Joey out. I want to get him a buck. And uh, I want you to get him a buck. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Gabe did all the work. But uh, I, I want to try to get him a buck. And that turned into you're a strong man. You work out. You're busting out your shirt all the time, which is just fun to be around. But um, I knew Andrew from Trophy Ridge um, is into that world. And so I'm like, well, let's tie in bear with this in a bigger way. And so uh, let's tie in bear and Trophy Ridge and, you know, have them bring down some new bows that we can shoot and play around with. And so I invited Andrew from Trophy Ridge out. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And, and we talked... You know, we talked not too long ago about the new the new Trophy Ridge stuff and the new bare bows, and and uh, I really wanted to bring all those here and shoot them. And so, um, this podcast is to talk about game plans. Gabe's going to run us through kind of a game plan and what to expect, what to anticipate, and and you know maybe walk walk Joey through some things. Um, you know, there's a, a big difference when when you're hunting in a blind versus a tree stand, and uh, so on and so forth. So we'll walk through a few things with Joey on what to expect and you know how the hunt might unfold. Um, but really I want to talk about the new boats. Uh, my first impressions, Joey's first impressions, Andrew, walk us through the two setups. You brought me my new setup for the year and you brought Joey a setup to hunt with. That's right. Uh, walk, walk me through those two setups. Yeah. So I'll talk about what I brought for Joey this year. Um, we ended up uh, putting a resurgence with our DHC cam in Joey's hands. Um, it's a great bow for any archer, but especially for him getting started, it's got a great smooth draw cycle um, and plenty of speed um, as much as he would need. Uh, and, and it's going to fit him really well. Um, to pair with that, we put a shock stop stabilizer on there. Uh, makes that bow completely dead in the hand. Um, a whisker biscuit, which is just such a no-nonsense option. Um, it's it's a it's kind of like a bulletproof uh, arrest. It's very durable and it's just going to perform when he needs to when he needs it to perform. Um, but most importantly, there is a React Pro Five pin sight on there. Um, that's going to make it so easy for him to shoot not only close range, which is what we're going to need in a lot of these hunting scenarios with whitetail, but it's going to help him become a better archer too because he's going to be able to set that. Uh, set is 20, set is 30, and he's going to be shooting at 60 before you know it, even as somebody who is relatively new to archery. Um, so really excited to put that in Joey's hands and have him put that to work. I, I do want to talk specifically about the Whisker Biscuit and the the role it plays not only in a beginner bow hunter, but anybody, really. Um, I think the Whisker Biscuit, well, first off, I've told this story before, but I got a comment from some kid on social media, and he's like, you should upgrade from a Whisker Biscuit, bro. And I'm like, so I'm like, okay, who's this kid, you know, talking to me? And so I go to his page and I'm like, dude, you've caught two fish in your life. I don't see, you know, there's no dead animals. I'm like, you're, but you're telling me I need to change my setup. And uh, anyways, a whisker biscuit is a phenomenal rest. And I know, I, I know and people say, well, they're not consistent. All this 
jibber jabber and you could easily walk through the the technology behind it but sure old whisker biscuits they were stiff bristles that would you know knock arrows different directions but these bristles now are so soft and so i mean they don't i mean i shot 60 yards and i mean they shoot great uh i've shot 100 yards with a whisker biscuit and they shoot phenomenal first off most shooters are not ever good enough to outshoot their equipment anyways uh much less notice a difference um you know i've heard the whole tunability issue and and you know i've never experienced it but I've tuned three fletch, I've tuned four fletch, I've tuned heavy shafts, I've tuned light shafts, I've tuned, you know, all that stuff in a whisker biscuit, it all tunes fine. But for a new bow hunter, I think it's just one of the greatest tools you can have. You put your arrow in it and you forget about it. There's no locking a drop away up, there's no, uh, you know, there's no malfunctions. It's it's flawless. It's perfect. Um, they are extremely easy to set up. I mean... Very, very easy to tune, too. Yeah, they are. They're extremely easy to tune. Um... I, you know, the truth is I do like shooting a drop away rest and that's something that we have at Trophy Ridge, but I will never, ever go on a hunt and not have a whisker biscuit in my bag as a backup. Um, and I also hunt with a whisker biscuit, uh, as well. So, you know, I, I actually had a conversation with a cousin of mine recently and, and he kind of had that perception of like, oh my goodness, you know, whisker biscuit, it has these inherent problems. I think some people they think like, okay, the whisker biscuit's been around for a really long time. It's just the same old thing. The truth is it's, we have continually improved it over the years and it's as, as good as it's ever been. Um, a good example I gave uh, to him is I went to uh, TAC this year. I went to the Utah uh, location or the, the, the event in Park City um, and uh, they put on a great shoot there. I shot some of the longer courses, um, multiple targets over a hundred yards and a whisker biscuit performed as well as the drop away I had on that same bow a few weeks prior. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's like the proof's in the pudding with the whisker biscuit. Um, you put it on the, your arrows tune as long as your bow is, is, uh, you know, in good working order and you can sling arrows as far as, uh, as far as you want, honestly. I and I also don't want people to think like, why don't you try a drop away? I shot a drop away for nine years, um, and I was doing. I was talking one day with with David Blanton, who is you know one of the well known big buck killers in the world. And uh, I mean, if he says something, take it to the bank. And he says, "Hey, dude, try whisker biscuit." And I'm like, "David, man, I don't know, dude. You're just old. You don't know new technology." And that's what I was thinking. And uh, and he said, "I'll tell you what." He said, "You buy a whisker biscuit, throw it on your bow." And if you don't like it, you shoot it for one year. If you don't like it, I'll personally buy you another drop away. And I was like, deal. Like, no harm in that, dude. Um, and so I shot a, a whisker biscuit for that year and just fell in love with it, man. How easy it was, how flawless it was. You know, I hunted in in 10-degree weather with it. I, I chased elk around in the mountains with it. I, you know, hunted bears with it. I, I did, you know, just about everything with it, and it performed in every situation I put it in. So uh, thanks, David. Um, but... I say all that to say this. If you're a new bow hunter and you're just getting into this, try a whisker biscuit. Um, they're easy to use. It's one of the greatest tools for bow hunters. Uh, but before we go on, i got to give a thank you to our friends over at Alaskan Guide Creations. There's very few things that I have on all the time if I'm outdoors doing something, and one of those is a binocular harness. I live in my Alaskan Guide Creations. I absolutely love it. And if you're in the market for a new binocular harness, I would definitely go check it out. Um, 
we'll get into my my bow setup here in a little bit. Uh, Joey, what is your what's your anticipations for this hunt? Shoot giant bucks. I would love to. I mean, that's <laughs> that's why I'm here, baby. Is is to get my first buck. Uh, but honestly, for me, it, it's all about the learning experience. You know, since I'm a new hunter, you know, this is my second hunting season. I want to surround myself with people that have accomplished things that I want to accomplish. I want to learn from some of the best guys and just uh, be in the environment as much as possible. So, you know, not, not to say that I don't want to buck because I absolutely do. But if I didn't get one, there's still so many things that I can learn from being around you guys as as avid hunters and outdoorsmen. Uh, and, you know, even uh, like practicing with, with the bow, right? Learning uh, different techniques and, and different ways to draw or better ways to draw or making my, my shot more efficient and proficient when it comes to actually making the shot. So for me, it's just taking it in a, as a whole. Uh, and that's something that I'm, I'm here for. That's, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm doing. Well, and I'm a big proponent, man. I preach from this podcast. If you're new and you're getting into something, get an outfit, get a guide, let him teach you. And then that whole time in camp, just soak in information. And, and even if you're an avid whitetail hunter, you know, like, man, I want to go elk hunting. I want to try elk hunting. I highly encourage you to start with a guide. Uh, and Gabe can speak a lot more to this because he is a guide in several states. But um, Preferably start with Hill Creek Outfitters. Yes. Uh, or Pope Brothers. Um, but Awesome. If you want to go to Texas, go down there. For yeah. Sure. That place is phenomenal. But anyways, um, Starting with an outfit, like if you want to go elk hunting, start with an outfit because, you know, I hear so many guys um, who say, dude, I've, I've been on uh, every year for nine years. I went on a DIY hunt. Man, I had one opportunity to cow and she hung up at 70. I'm like, dude, you spent nine years and all this money trying to kill a big bull elk and you haven't even seen one yet. You've seen one cow and didn't even get a shot at her. And they're like, well, dude, I can't afford an outfit. Like, that's expensive. I can't, I can't. I'm like, but for nine years, you've spent. 1300 bucks to do it yourself why not just spend the the 7000 up front hire an outfit and you learn so much that you can then take and use on a diy hunt and be successful doing it doing it yourself um gabe what is our what 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 should we anticipate for this hunt i've hunted here before absolutely love it um this place is literally heaven on earth for any outdoorsman um i love to come down here and camp and fish with you in the summers and gorgeous property and i mean just an outdoorsman's paradise but as far as the deer hunting goes um what can we expect well if i do my job right you expect to have some mature deer in front of you hopefully so we're not gonna have any <laughs> no pre no pressure on me though but no we got some good deer on camera uh and that's kind of the deal man like we just our style around here is we, we don't like so much to hunt during the middle of the rut just because it can be so inconsistent you know you got big bucks that can happen in but on the other hand it, it you know they're not really patternable at that point but we're we're past that uh, they're not really chasing anymore they're back to their pattern so we got some good mature deer showing up on camera yeah um but dude i've said it if i've said it once i said it a thousand times hunting in the late season if you're hunting for any big buck like if you just want to kill a big mature buck hunting in the late season is the best time to do it because they're they're going to be hitting agree. food oh absolutely yeah. So how do, what what do you tell the guy who's listening? How do they get prepared for late season hunts? Like nasty weather. What should they be doing prep work wise to set themselves up for a late season successful hunt? Well, first of all, that has to start long before the opening day of the season right. if you're going to plan for late season. And that's really in the last ten years. We had some conversations about this earlier. Uh, I've completely changed my style of hunting. Used to it would be I lived for November. 
And and it's still there's nothing like being in the woods when when bucks are just chasing like crazy. But I realized uh, to what you just kind of said, it is so much easier to consistently uh, take big mature deer when you have a food source at your advantage because after that rut is over, it's just they're malnourished. They've been running like crazy. They have some way got to put the nutrition back in them to make it through the rest of the winter. And the, the only thing that their mind is on at that point after the does and everything and chasing's done is finding a food source. And if you've got it, you will have the deer there. Yeah. And that's just what, that, that's why I switched my tactics to that because it's just, it's more consistent. Yeah. There's anything. If you're sitting in a tree stand or blind in, in Iowa, Kansas in November, that's awesome. You're going to have a, some, an incredible time. Anything could come in. Uh, but it's just more consistent for us to do late season and kind of focus in on that. And I explained it to, to Joey just like this last year. I'm like, dude, when you get done with the big strongman contest, what do you what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to eat. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> he sounded, perfect example. He sounded super enthusiastic <laughs> just then about that. Oh, I really want to eat. <laughs> no, you want to eat like your your body wants nutrients in the same i mean you think about it all november long those deer have had a month-long workout they've been running and gunning they've been drowning deer in the pond they've been they've been you know fighting each other they've been chasing them down they've a, deer, been, a deer has one purpose in life and that's to survive and make it through the year and that's what their mind goes to is surviving yeah, the food right so but that all starts again that all starts you got to plan for it there's got to be preparation involved it all starts before opening day ever comes around so what what, what kind of prep like what would you tell the guy who's like man i i want to i want to put more of an emphasis on my late season hunts right so you know if if you, if you can't feed if you can feed in your uh, state that's great run feeders preferably broadcast feeders um you know that there's been people that say you know big bucks won't come to broad feeders that's absolutely not true might be the case in in counties that are extremely over hunted and every time a buck comes by a feeder something bad happens so they never go by feeders that can happen but it's not very often anymore so if you can feed why for, broadcast feeders though because uh you can control the time that a deer moves so if you're running if you're running a gravity feeder and deer are natural grazers. They want right. to and, graze. And, and then naturally the mature deer move right at dark. And how many times growing up did you miss out on a big mature deer because you ran out of light? It happens all the time. Yeah. So if you're running a broadcast feeder, you can move the feed time up and you can literally tell your deer, if you're managing a property right, you can tell your deer what time it is to wake up and when they can go to bed because they will. Again, it's food. If you can control the food, then you can control the whitetail. And you can tell them, hey, it's time to get up. Now it's time to go to bed. Yeah. That's that's the, the greatest advantage right there. Uh, and, and two, uh, they won't, especially in Kansas, those big old corn-fed Kansas deer, they'll eat you out of house and home. I mean, cause That's what I was going to ask you. So, so, you know, you take somebody who hunts, and you can answer this too, Andrew, I'm sure. Um, you take somebody who hunts in a primarily agricultural place, and they've got – thousands of acres of winter wheat around them how do you get them to your food source like there's there's hundreds you know i mean take my property for instance you're pretty familiar with my property all around to the east west and south there's winter wheat right. but there's not winter wheat they plant beans on my place so the, the food source has already been cut off of my place and you have a good answer for this i know you do yeah um they've cut off the beans on my place and now there's winter wheat popping up all around me those deer leave me they right. go to the winter wheat um, so 
how do you get to where you nail down that buck on on food if their food sources are everywhere else? Well, I know you're talking about the Kansas property, right? Yep. I've been trying to get him to buy. I've been trying to get Dylan to buy a feeder for a long time of broadcast <laughs> because if you put it there, a deer's going to take. He's going to take corn over. No, I'm talking about you. I'm week. talking about you uh, getting the farmer to keep beans. Oh right, yeah. We so we because that's about a cheaper this. option. Yeah. Too. So I was going to move on to that. I was going into that when we was talking about the feeder. Uh, but if you can't feed in your state, first of all, preparation. If you can start building a relationship with your landowner. If that landowner is the farmer as well, great. If he's not, the landowner doesn't farm it, but he leases it out to a farmer. Uh, get a hold of that guy. Start building a relationship. It can be stuff as simple as taking him some fudge on Christmas or something like that, or giving him a gift card so he can take his wife on a date. Whatever it may be, or helping him work. That even better, even better. You could tell a story about that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. no, it, just build a relationship with them and just start there. And then you can go on and say, hey, say that, say this guy's got standing beans on his property or maybe one year he's got corn. You can take a range finder out there and you can start ranging a section, take a buddy with you and you can do the math on it, whatever it is. I, I had in my notes somewhere. But or you can use like a map, you know, like a – Onyx, Onyx, yeah, Onyx. You can Onyx, use that. HuntWise, HuntStand. They you, all do it. Yeah, they so all. exactly. So you can get on Onyx, perfect example, and you can map out an acre, and then you could actually take a T-post. It, it, just work it out with the farmer and say, hey, here's what here's what a bushel of corn is going for. This is the price right now. I'm at, are you cool? If you're cool with it, I'll pay you even more than the market price is of corn. Just in case it goes up, you're, you know, you're not losing any money no matter you're what. You're actually saving it because you don't have to cut it. Right. And then he doesn't have to use the extra fuel in the tractor to take that. You know, it, so it's a win-win. Most of the time, surprisingly, they're open to it. And then you can, you can pay him for maybe an acre or two of corn or beans to leave it standing. And then you've got a standing food source for the late season. Now, this is when it really gets cool, and this is the, the funnest style of hunting. If you get late in January and you've got standing corn or standing beans, standing corn is just unbelievable because you can take a brush hog in there. In the states that you can't feed, you can manipulate a crop. So you can't put corn on the ground, but you can go in there and you can brush hog uh, a cornfield, and what does it do? It, it just destroys the corn and it scatters it everywhere. Ah. and you're manipulating a crop and it's perfectly legal you can check that out in your state personally <laughs> i know i know it to be the case in missouri uh but and when that happens man it, the the corn dust that goes everywhere and it's just the deer know it's like hey there's food there and uh, i've sent you pictures before and be setting up northern missouri literally 300 deer in a field before and it's it's not a joke i mean people be like oh that can't be real they've got to they've got to be in a pen or something like that that's not the case if you if you have it's five degrees there, and i've got corn out that's the deal that's the deal because it gets so cold and those deer have to eat and if you if you destroy a bunch of corn in a cornfield they're going to be there and they're going to be there in numbers i'm anxious to hear your story because i've often I've often said, like, it speaks volumes. It's one thing to roll up to a house and say, can I hunt your property? It's another thing to roll up to, to a house and say, hey, I notice you have a pond back here. Uh, that's kind of hard to, to manage the banks. I'd love to weed eat your pond banks for you and, you know, whatever it might be. Um, or mow for you, you know. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll mow your, your, your home place here, your, your lot here. You know, just something like that. But uh, I've oftentimes said that speaks way more to a farmer than just rolling up saying, hey, I'd like to kill your deer. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, building relationships with uh, the people where you're hunting, it's extremely important. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just preaching the choir here, but 
um, I do have kind of an interesting story. I've been hunting a, a, a suburban, what I would consider a suburban property for the last 10 years. And it's been uh, an incredible blessing for me and, and even some of the hunting partners that I've had. Um, but really the story simple. I, I, I found the property. I thought it looked like a place that would be good to hunt. Um, and I called the gentleman that owned it and just asked to take him to lunch and tell him about who I was. And so he could kind of get a feel for me. Um, and fortunately for me, he agreed. Um, uh, I found out that, uh, in retirement, he kept goats. That's just kind of the thing he did to keep himself busy. Um, and he was a widower. So, um, it was, it's, you know, it's good for his health, but he found himself in a situation, um, every fall when he would sell off some of the herd, the rest, um, he would butcher it and, and he'd eat on it. You know, that, that'd be, you know, a food option for him. And he paid a lot of money, um, to get, you know, not as much meat as you would expect. Um, but as a hunter, I, I learned how to butcher animals and I essentially offered him, um, the service of me doing it for him. And he was absolutely ecstatic about it. And that completely, uh, changed kind of a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So not only did it help me hone my, my skill because it, I got more reps in every year on animals that I was able to break down. So it, you know, it made it, be, it made me better. Uh, it benefited him. Uh, it kept him extreme, you know, it's kept him extremely happy. And, and I think because of that, I have a good relationship with him and his family. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, it's been a blessing for everybody. And that was just because to your point, uh, building that relationship, um, with the property owner, it was, what can I do for you? Yeah. You know, what's going to help you? Yeah. You know, and so on that, before you move on, what's cool about that though, is you made it a point to build a relationship with yeah. your landowner. And I've seen so many, so many guys lose their land. Cause they don't just have a relationship. For that reason. That's it. Because you know, it's just like, it's so easy to be pumped up about, oh, I got permission on this place. You go out and you start putting up stands and then you forget about the guy who, made that possible for you to do that right. in that place and what he did right there because and this has happened to a lot of people too you got guys coming in from out of state especially in big buck states and they offer their landowner five thousand dollars he's gonna be a lot more apt to take that money uh from a guy who he never hears from or a guy that butchers his animals for him his mind's immediately going to go back to the relationship that right. he has with the guy that he gave permission to I just so keep that in mind right there people just ultimately nobody likes to get taken advantage of they don't like the feeling that they're being taken advantage of um and i think that most people don't like the thought that somebody else would feel that about them and and so you know just taking a little bit of time to give what you can um whether it be effort uh, yeah. whether it be time um or even friendship depending on the situation uh, it just you know it helps build that that trust <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why this came to my mind when you talked about goats but <laughs> But when you lived uh -oh. in Belle Plaine, do you remember? Do you know what I'm going to say? No. When you lived in Belle Plaine, we were at uh, Rayleigh's birthday party. They had it down there in the bottom of your, your place there. And uh, you had just hung a new set or something. You're like, dude, come back here and look at this new set that I just <laughs> hung, dude. It's No, you that old barn. Right. You were hunting out okay. of that old barn. You're like, you got to come see this old barn, dude. We're shooting out of it now. It's incredible. Yeah. And we're driving back there, and we pass your goat pen. And I'm like, Gabe, I think that goat was dead back there. And you're like, no, nah, dude, he's probably just laying down sleeping. It's like, we go look at this barn. And uh, I was like, it was really cool. He had this old barn and and uh, which would hunt out of the barn. shoot Out of the hayloft. Really cool. Yeah. Um, anyways, we get done looking. We come back and 
Gabe turns that corner. I said, dude, look, he hasn't moved. And Gabe goes, oh, my goat is dead. <laughs> I <laughs> love the, that goat. In the, middle of, <laughs> in the middle of a birthday party. That's unfortunate. Gabe's goat was dead. Um, Joey, I'm, I'm curious to know, and I don't know Why'd how much. Why would you have to bring that up? <laughs> dude, you've had more goats since then. Um, <laughs> Joey, I'm curious to know, and I don't know how much land access you have there around the, the Philly area. Um, but I can't imagine it's easy to find hunting land in a massive city area like Philadelphia. Um, so how do you, how did you go about even finding any ground? Right. So I'm about 35, 40 minutes outside of the city of Philadelphia. It's Bucks County, ironically. So there's uh, a good amount of farmland and there is a good amount of bucks and good hunting where I live. Uh, so the option for me was either just hunt state game lands or try to find private land. And I tried both. So I was fortunate enough to go on the hunt with you guys last year and kind of back to Dylan's point about putting out the money for an outfitter uh, with the knowledge you get, it gives you a lot more confidence to be able to go out yeah. on your own uh, just by what you learn from the guide and the, the guys that you're uh hunting with. Uh, so I went out there, but to be honest with you, going to state game lands, just, uh, there were a lot of things about it that I didn't necessarily like, uh, it can be overwhelming, very overwhelming. Sure. It was very yeah. crowded. Uh, you know, you're a lot more worried about your safety out there. Um, so with that, I started to, to look for private property and kind of to these guys points, I started developing a relationship with somebody that I knew who had, um, several acres of land and it just came down to that, like building a relationship, you know, how can we mutually benefit each other? Uh, so I was able to, to work something out, uh, with the landowner the, the property owner and be able to help out around, you know, on, on the land with any, any help necessary. Uh, on top of that, you know, I also was very happily, able to give any meat as well, you know? And when you kind of right. look at it that way too, it's like Absolutely. how much money are they paying for whatever they're buying at a store versus, you know, this is harvested right on your property. Uh, you know, you're saving some money and, you know, I'm basically helping out do that just on my time. Uh, so I was very fortunate to be able to find that, uh, which isn't always the case, but kind of going back to Andrew's point is it's genuine relationship building, uh, and not just, hey, you know, I want to hunt this land, but getting to know the person, you know, how do they work, how they operate. Same thing with them getting to know you, how you work, how you operate. And really just how can we make this as mutually beneficial as possible so that right. we're, we're both feeling uh, happy with where things are at. And nobody's feeling like they're getting taken advantage of. Uh, so, you know, but it comes back to the point of just being able to be around guys who've done it for a long time to learn that stuff. So I felt like I had a, a really big jump start to my my hunting career yeah, uh, with sure. that opportunity and experience. Yeah, I um, because you went back and if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but I think you told me like, yeah, dude, I I actually saw some does. I I got in some deer. You know, I don't I don't think you ever killed another one, but I think you actually you know found some success at least locating deer and you know getting in amongst them. What was the biggest lesson you learned from last year that? now makes you as a second year hunter makes you more comfortable going into your second year uh for me it was i mean there's a handful of things uh as basic as it sounds as gear is one of them 
you know, making sure you have the proper gear to get out there and be comfortable enough to sit out for as long he as you says need to sit out. As he wears one of my favorite pieces of scentlock clothing, the Fortress. Right, right. It, like it's one of those things where it, it, the initial investment can be a little overwhelming, but it's one of those buy once, cry once type of things where hundred percent. I'm much happier by putting out the money and and having a great quality product uh, that keeps me warm and allows me to be able to hunt without having to to have issues when I'm out there or having to leave or cut the hunt short. The other thing was just kind of learning as I go on, on timing of day to get out there. Like, you know, kind of funny story is I was heading out to a property in the afternoon and I was trying to get my tree stand. Well, for the first three times I got to the tree stand, uh, the, the does and a couple bucks were bedded right around me. And I never uh, knew that. Yeah. So I go to climb in the tree stand, boom, they pop up, you know, but it, it was cool because it was trial and error. So then I realized, okay, if I get there at three o'clock, maybe I want to get there yet, you know, two or one. So then I found the right time to get there where that wasn't an issue. Or, you know, I knew that I had enough time to recover for them to come back, you know, and need to to feed before they, they laid down to bed again. Uh, so those were some big ones. Um, and another basic one is just making sure that you're getting out there. Like as simple as that sounds, you know, like getting out as much as you can uh, and just trying to continue to fail forward in a sense is what I call it. Like be okay with making mistakes and not also being obsessed with trying to get the biggest buck ever. Like I'm totally fine with a doe. I'm totally fine with, you know, a, a smaller buck per se, because for me, it's about the experience. And like, I know if I continue to hone the skill and the craft, like that day will come eventually. And, right. I, and I think when I first got into hunting, I'm still waiting for that day to come, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of people get so hooked on, all right, the first time I go out, I'm going to get this monster. Oh yeah. Social media screwed that up. For right. Everyone. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of just totally eradicated that thought from my brain and just fell in love a lot more with the process of it and uh, failing forward in a sense. Well, that's what, like I think, and going back to your thing about gear, I know, I know Gabe could talk to this. I'm sure Andrew can too, but like, I remember being a kid, you know, like you're just stacking pairs of sweatpants to try to stay warm <laughs> and, you're, do that and you're miserably cold still. Like and you can't even walk because you've got so many, you can't climb your tree or then it rains. And then you got 94 pounds of sweatpants on because they're full of water and you're miserable. And it's, it's like, why do I do this? This sucks. But if you invest a little bit of money into good gear, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars. Um, I'm not saying that. I mean, last year, Joey, you know, we got him a really good setup of, of scent lock, you know, a basic one, you know, one outfit type deal, you know, and he spent a few hundred bucks, but he was comfortable. But like and, he said, buy once, cry once. Yeah, I live by that. hundred percent. And it never fails. It never Until you fails. buy again and cry again. <laughs> no, no, but but I but say it's that it's not the same product you're it's buying. It's too easy because, to buy a bunch of camo, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the big lesson that I think every beginner needs to learn off the bat, if you're comfortable, you will be more successful because you'll right. stay longer, you'll be more still, you'll be more quiet, you'll hunt more often. It's not like, oh dude, I don't want to go out there and sit in this rain. I don't dude, it's snowing. I can't go out, dude. It's mm-hmm. I'm gonna freeze, dude. Usually the times when you're miserable outdoors is when you need to be outdoors because that's when the deer are gonna move. Um so that's, you know, in my opinion, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I think sometimes it takes new hunters way too long to learn that of like, man, how do you continue to do this? Because I'm miserable. Well, yeah, but, you know, we invested a little bit into, into a good set of base layers, into a good, you know, raincoat, into a good, you know, merino wool. Into, I mean, and I'm comfortable. 
was, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, Gabe kind of brought it up is when I was getting into to hunting and I, I got a bow and I was practicing, I was practicing and basically like a sweatshirt or a long sleeve shirt and draw was super easy. Right. And putting a good grouping together. And then when I put on some gear for the first time, I went to go draw and it was completely different because I felt like everything was just getting tight. I felt restricted. My draw wasn't the same. Uh, I was practicing also without wearing gloves at the time. So then you got to factor in putting gloves on. So there are a lot of variables uh, that you want to take note of. And kind of the main point that we're talking about here is comfortability. Like if you're, if you're comfortable, just like Dylan said, your success rate will be so much higher. So that's, that's something that I was just like, okay, I, I grasped that point pretty early on and I'm thankful that I did. And if you're somebody who's worried about money, just plan ahead, right? Just put a couple 50 bucks a week or 50 bucks a month. Stop even buying Starbucks for a month. Right? Stop buy buying Starbucks or going to in and out burger or something like that. You know, and, I heard somebody say it one time and I'm, I'm not going to quote it. I'm not going to quote the person, um, but I'll give the idea. Basically, he's talking about how guys say, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. And he said, dude, if you smoke cigarettes, don't tell me you can't afford to go on an elk hunt. Because if you, quit, if you quit smoking cigarettes for the year, you can afford an elk hunt. Uh, if, you, if you quit going to the casino every Thursday night for a year, you can afford to go on an elk hunt. Um, so, and the same is true with this gear that we're talking about. Like, don't tell me you can't afford good quality hunting gear when you drop $5 a day on Starbucks. Like, because if you want good quality hunting gear, stop buying Starbucks for two months Go buy good coffee. I'm just kidding. Um, stop buying. St <laughs> People find a way to do what's truly important. Exactly. You know, bottom line, they do. Yeah. So I agree with that 100%. Uh, before we move on, Gabe mentioned like learning your state's laws. I am the best tool I've ever found in hunting is seasonreport.com. It's an online hum hunting almanac for all things you need to know. You can save where you hunt down by the county. So I've got, you know, this county that we're hunting in saved. I've got, um, my counties that I hunt in Kansas saved. I've got Arkansas and Oklahoma and all these counties that I have saved. I've got them all saved on the one easy to understand, easy to use platform. I can look at every state rule, regulation, laws, bag limits, everything on one platform. Uh, it's easy to understand. It's easy to navigate. I don't have to go to, to clunky state agency websites. Some of those websites are a nightmare to get around and understand. This gives me everything I need to know on one easy to use platform, and it's 10 bucks for the entire year. Uh, code hunting 101 in all caps, and I'll get you that entire platform for just 10 bucks. But like I said, for guys like Gabe, uh, first off, if you want to eat like a king, come to Hill Creek. Um, cause his wife, not Gabe, his wife can absolutely throw down on some cooking. Um, right. but it's, it's an, it's an all in one hunting almanac, outdoor almanac teaches you when to plant, when to harvest, you know, what, what kind of things you should grow if you want to pair it with elk and, I mean, just a really cool tool um, for all things gardening, foraging, hunting, fishing, everything on one platform for just 10 bucks. It's the best 10 bucks you'll ever spend in hunting, in my opinion. Joey, what'd you think of that bow? I loved it, honestly. Um, my first impression of it was it was uh, heavier than a bow I've shot in the past. But talking to these guys, I think that's more beneficial to me uh, with just the way I'm built as an individual. I uh, really like the grip How of it. You built as an individual, fairly large, <laughs> and in charge. No, uh, I'm a big man. I'm six two, yeah, he's, about two hundred, two hundred seventy five, eighty pounds right now. Um, but I like the setup. Uh, I like whisker biscuits. 
<laughs> I really do. They're great with bread too. No, um, but it's kind of a, a foolproof tool for me to, to use as a beginner. Were you using a whisker biscuit before? Uh, I was. So for me, it was just comfortable to just get back to what I know. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the site, usually I was using a trophy rich three point. I don't know the exact model of it or three, three point. <laughs> Hopefully we get more than a three point now. Um, <laughs> but uh, Dude, that was actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a uh, it was a three pin site. Uh, so this one was an upgrade for sure. I had a five pin, super easy to adjust. I'm sure Andrew can talk more about what I was using exactly. Um, but everything felt smooth. The draw was super smooth, like the cam system. Uh, Quiver was cool. Uh, upgrade from the quiver I had before is this one. I know it sounds kind of corny, but it has a light on top of it. It's the, the coolest tool ever. Right. And, and like you get there out there early in the morning or, or at nighttime, you need to have some sort of light. And from what I haven't I, carried a flashlight in four years, probably in the woods. Use the quiver? Use that quiver. Yeah, it's, it's it awesome. It makes it so convenient. I mean, honestly. You drop weight, just one less. The, piece the of thing about that quiver, too, that, that Andrew might not have even walked you through. And I don't know what quiver you were using before, but I'm sure it wasn't one like this. Um, you can adjust that quiver, and you can. So I noticed you take your quiver off when you shoot. Um, you can adjust that quiver and suck it in as, as close and as, as far away from that bow as you want. You can cant it, lean it, tilt it um, to really help you balance your bow. So whereas old quivers that stuck out way way away from your bow, and it would make your bow lean that way, with that quiver, you know it's the same with a, a tight spot. Um, quiver everybody raves about those um which this functions the exact same and it has a light so it's it's better but anyways um you can suck that into your riser as close as you want um and then there's tilts you can raise it up down and and, and balance your bow more um so i think i think gabe shoots with a quiver on i don't i don't know if you, you do but yeah I, i'm i'm a two-piece guy i'm one oh, of yeah, those guys yeah, yeah i forgot about that yeah um, which we'll get to when we talk about my quiver, but sure, um, so that quiver is a magnificent tool to use. Um, and I, and I know he talked to you about you know possibly running a sidebar in the future, and that that again is to where with that sidebar you can have that quiver on and it'll balance your bow perfectly. And and uh, we we can play with that later on. And yeah, I mean, know, of course, just, build on that just bow, to but. add to what you're saying, some of the things about that that quiver that's the light lock quiver, and it's extremely popular for us for good reason, obviously. Um, you know, it's we have grippers that fit both micro and standard diameter I think shafts. You, I think he's using the hex light, is he not? Oh yeah, the hex light, the hex light. That's right. Um, but the the point is, um, so yeah, it's got it's got grippers for micro and standard diameter shafts. There's there's not only a light on the top. There's actually a, a small light on the inside. So sometimes it can be hard to get your arrow back in your quiver, like if it's dark. Um, and that makes it super convenient to, to Dylan's point. Yeah. You can, you can get it in really close to the bow. Uh, you can adjust it vertically to make sure your arrows are kind of within the window of the bow. So when you lower it down, you don't have your knocks hitting the ground first, get full of dirt. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a quiver that really is going to fit anybody, um, and do the job you need it to do. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I, I said, we'll get to that point further. I want to talk about my quiver. Um, which my quiver is just a, you know, a newer model, a revamp of the hex light. I ran the hex light for, for three years, probably, I guess, um, maybe two. I don't, I don't want somebody to reach out and say, that's only been out for two years. You liar. Um, I ran it, ran it for as long as it's been out and love that quiver to yeah, it's death. It's been around. It's been around. Um, well, one thing I did want to add too is what I was really pumped about 
was the arrows I was using because it was the same arrow basically yes, that I used last missiles, year. Dude. Yeah, and these things are meat missiles. I don't know what they are, so Dylan, you can talk more about it, but when I looked at them, I was like, are these the same as last year? And you just grinned at me. I was like, <laughs> I'm pumped. The freedom missiles is what I call them. Yeah, those things are, are, are taken out, whatever will be shot. Uh, so, Joey, we set him up with some deer crossing archery silencer shafts, which is a micro diameter. Um, he had a full stainless steel kit from Ethics Archery. And he was running a four fletch with a heat vein and an SK2 broadhead, um, which is just, I mean, last year it absolutely just punched that dough and, and blew her off her feet. But I'm a big fan of micro diameter. I'm a big fan of heavy arrows. Um, I Gabe, as Gabe says, kill them with impact. Um, I mean, literally when that, when that, when that arrow hits the target, it slaps that target. Um, and that, I mean, I'm just a, a fan of it, man. And uh, knocks it over at 60 yards, man. One arrow and just yeah, folding the target. Absolutely. Um, so my bow, uh, and I've walked you guys through my my setup, so we don't necessarily have to go through that. Uh, if you if you didn't hear my setup, it was on the on the uh, the new bow episode with with um, Ryan and Ted, and I walked through the bow I was going to be shooting and everything. But my first thoughts on the bow. This is the first time I've shot the bow. Um, I've gotten the question. 50 times of my thoughts on the new bow. And, and I just honestly told him, I said, I haven't shot it yet. Uh, so I, I don't want to tell you anything because I haven't shot it. Um, I will say the moment you pick that bow up. Uh, so for all you haters and thugs out there saying a $1,200 bow from bear, uh, it, it's worth every penny. Um, because you know, I've, I heard it so much of like, when's bear going to compete? When's bear going to compete? Well, if they're going to compete, you know, as far as quality and as far as performance, and they, they have to raise the price. I mean, it's inevitable. Um, it's absolutely worth every penny. It's the best shooting bow I've ever felt from Bear. Uh, it's the most, I don't want to say aesthetically pleasing because, uh, you know, I think all Bear bows are, are pretty and they're good to look at, but, but it looks amazing. But just as far as like quality goes, like when you grab that bow, like you look at the limb pockets, you look at the cams, you look at the grip, you look at the finish, you look at the cuts in the riser, it is a quality bow it's built phenomenally um i like the draw cycle way more than the refine um i didn't dislike the refine uh but i didn't love it uh, i i like the status better than the refine but i like the execute far beyond any of those uh the draw cycle is just incredible um i think the guys that worked on the cams for the execute would love to hear it that was a bigger cam the intent you want to walk me through the cam like the the cam and the limb pocket so yeah absolutely um starting at the limb pocket we actually went to a fully machined pocket this year um it sits a little wider so our limbs are wider on the execute than the bows that we've put before it just and it actually makes for just a more stable overall platform um some of the even the hardware uh, things that we have in and around the cam the the axles are a larger diameter axle they are stronger and stiffer um the the ends of the axles are actually threaded so screws keep everything together uh, as opposed to kind of the traditional e-clip um but the cam itself it is it's very similar to the echo cam system that we had on several bows before, but it is the next step, uh, the next evolution of that cam system. Um, and you know, it has all the adjustability that we've had in the past, uh, including the adjustment of let off all the way up to 90% let off. Um, and yeah, it just has a, a very 
uh, enjoyable draw cycle. Right. Real life numbers. Um, I've heard this boat. Well, first off, um, Mike's archery, you know, ran the decibel test that they always run, and the bow was quieter than any other bow that they've ever shot. Um, that's not bro science. That's not holy cow, that bow sounded quiet. That's running decibel tests um, against all of the manufacturers, all our bows. Uh, I, I think he said that there was one bow that was quieter from maybe last year or the year before. But, anyways, um, so it really is whisper quiet. Um, very, very, very little hand shock. I said it in a video. If if somebody says, "Dude, my bow has no hand shock," the person's a liar. You can't you can't push force forward without there being some sort of of absorbent of that shock, and there is hand shock in every bow. Uh, but this bow has very, very little hand shock. It's a joy to shoot. Uh, but real life numbers, I'm shooting a 665 grain arrow. Um, it used to be used as a telephone pole. Um, <laughs> the meat missile. The meat missile. Um, Joey's got the freedom missiles. I've got the meat missiles. Uh, this is a 665 grain arrow, and it's shooting at 222 feet per second. That is torching, um, and it will knock a deer off of its feet. Hopefully bet, this week. I bet Joey could bench press those arrows, though. I don't know if he could, dude. <laughs> I've been trying to curl them in my spare time here. Get a good bicep bump. <laughs> we don't know that, but Joey's been staying up past, past bedtime and, and sneaking out and curling arrows. Bedtime. You guys are on a curfew around here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, the bow is producing incredible speeds. Um, I'm not I, – I don't know how to do the math, but that is some incredible kinetic energy there that that, that bow is, is putting out. Yeah, we'll have to run those numbers. Yeah, I'm sure you're a smart guy. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I still need the calculator. <laughs> Can I, I just I never, ask a, a question? No. Uh, okay, well – See you. No. Uh, so as you more of a raise your hand. <laughs> as more of a beginner, right? Um, with my bow setup versus Dylan's setup, what are what would you say are like the key features? Uh, say we have a beginner listening to this, and then you or you have somebody. Oh, that's a good question. Like, what would be the difference in the two bows, feature wise, and what is that doing for the bow and the hunt exactly? So, just right off the bat, I think the thing that's going to affect that well, I'll say a lot of beginner hunters, is there is a price point difference. I mean, Dylan uh, made the comment that the Execute is the most expensive bare bow that we've made to date. Um, and there are obviously reasons for that. That doesn't mean that the bows that we have at lower price points are overall lower quality. They just don't have all the bells and whistles. Um, does that mean that you have to have it to shoot a deer at 20 yards and make a great shot? Uh, no, you don't. Let's, let's rewind that real quick. My favorite statement in the world, I had a guy say this. He said, dude, I, I couldn't shoot a bear. I said, really, why not? And he alluded to them not being good enough. And I said, man, I said, dude, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but there's this guy named Chuck Adams, and he's shooting a, a, a bear Alaskan, which is a, a budget bow. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the price point of his bow uh, necessarily. Yeah, I can't but, remember right off the top of my head, but it falls right in the middle of our kind of price range. Yeah, which is the same for it's the Alaskan. affordable, absolutely. Uh, so, so Fred's shooting a Bear Alaskan, which is a $550 bow, went to Alaska with it. And you, you know, you hear guys say, well, yeah, Bear's fine for the whitetail woods in, in the Midwest, but, you know, I, man, I chase him around in, in Wyoming. And I'm like, well... Chuck just took his to Alaska and killed three new world records in a month. So and he's also a walking legend. So if it's good enough for him, you have to ask yourself, is it good enough for anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so so you don't need to drop twelve hundred dollars on a bow to kill animals. Ask Chuck. Not at all. But uh, to go back, uh, Andrew, actually, my brother asked me this question last night. He said, "So wh what is the EKO cam? Like, what makes that different?" And I'm like, "Well, it's just." That's their cam. Like, it's like 
that's like saying a Hemi versus a, you know, a whatever engine, uh, you know? It's yeah. Just I mean, a lot of things in the archery industry, we know there's, there's names kind of given to bow technology to make it more recognizable, uh, to the, to the consumer. Um, and the EKO cam is, is, you know, that's what we've named it. It definitely refers to the cam that we designed to give ultimate adjustability to the archer. Right. So my, my, um, analogy was, like there's different transmissions, Allison transmission versus a you know a Dodge transmission or whatever. That cam is going to do the same thing that every other manufacturer's cams do. My cam, the EKO cam, is going to do the exact same thing that Joey's. What cam is on that bow? Uh, that's what we call the DHC cam. The DHC cam. They're going to do the exact same thing. They're just going to be shaped a little different. They're going to be sized a little different. They're going to have a little bit different adjustabilities. They're going to the draw lengths are going to change just. The, the way yeah, you change and they do function different. slightly differently i mean there's different types of cam systems on the market there's binary there's hybrid Singles, two cams single yeah. cam um and and that is actually kind of one of the differences between these two bows um and it affects the total amount of adjustability so you know joey's bow we can set it at i believe 85 percent let off and that's basically what the cam is designed to do at all the draw lengths versus having something like a echo cam where you can set the let off either uh, higher or lower. Um, and yeah, so you're going to pay a little bit more for a feature like that, uh, but it's still going to serve Joey. Awesome. You know, that right. was going to shoot well in his hands, even without that extra layer of adjustability. I know a guy that shot a moose, a moose with a bear legit, which is a, Oh, that's so awesome. $299 bow. I mean, it's the same bow that I literally bought my seven year old kid. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a wildly adjustable bow from like seven pounds to 70 pounds, like literally Harper can shoot it and you can shoot it. Um, and this guy shot a moose with it. And so everybody that says like, Oh dude, like I've got to spend two grand on a bow. And, and <laughs> we're kind of contradicting ourselves because we're talking about buy once, cry once and good, good gear is worth it. But you know, when it comes to bows, every bow is going to perform these days. You're not going to get a bow that doesn't perform. Um, but there's literally people that are shooting moose with a legit. That's a $299 bow. You know, I think it kind of also comes down to, okay, what are what are you adding to the bow to give it the features that are going to warrant a higher price point? So making that kind of ultimate gap between, say, a legit, which is kind of one of our most affordable bow options that fits the broadest number of people versus an execute that we're you know releasing the best bow technology we've ever done as a company um just some of the vibration reduction stuff yeah. that comes on the execute bow right out of the box there there are more things there there's more development that's gone into it the engineers here at bear um and you know myself included not necessarily on that bow but just across the board we're always trying to make things better and um, the guys that worked on the execute absolutely did that. So they might be adding things to the bow that we don't put on, say, uh, a legit. So you are paying a little bit more for those features. And it's just ultimately improving the, um, the shot um, experience for the right. archer. You're talking about cars. So I think it, it looked like the, the what package, what, what chrome LT, package. LT, you, you, can buy, you can buy a... a Chevy Suburban, you know, uh, in any kind of package you want, but you're going to end up paying more for different features, like you're saying. So it's not like you're you're missing out on quality when you buy what you guys call the budget bows. I mean, they're right. good bows. That's a good example uh, for sure. But you can you can you can also spend more money and get 
more bells and whistles, premium sound system in that car, chrome package, leather seats, heated seats. They throw so many things Premium in sound yeah. system so you can yep. listen to the singing lead betters while you're driving down the road. Yes. <laughs> or the Bear Hunting 101 podcast. Ooh. <laughs> or the Joey Zatmary Strongman podcast. Yeah, you gave me a plug and I just sent it right back at you. Dude, I appreciate that greatly. Yeah. Um, but if they're listening to this podcast, you don't need to promote them to listen to this podcast or listen to this podcast. Yeah, good point. Um, Why'd you have to bring that up, too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we definitely need to talk about the site that you've got. Oh, on your snap. New oh, snap. Um, I hate it, but I love it because I hate single pins. But I literally looked at you and I said, dude, I don't like single pins, and I love this site. Um and again, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not just speaking out of the side of my mouth. I've, I've shot, I shot, I made it a commitment to shoot a single pin for one year. Um, I took it on hog hunts uh, down in Texas with Gabe, took it on javelina hunts, uh, took it on whitetail hunts, took it, you know, I, 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 I gave it its chance. Like, I, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say I don't like it until I really, really, truly hunt with it. And I just didn't like it. Um, but I love this site. I love it. Uh, you brought me this bow and you said it's somewhat sighted in at 20. Should be close. Sure. I mean, as far as the difference in the right. grips yeah, that you exactly. and I have, you know, it's, um, it's which speaking of grips, on the board. speaking of grips, the grip on the, on the execute is they redid that grip and oh, holla at your boy. It's good. Um, but anyways, uh, and Gabe, I'm going to get your thought cause you did shoot it, but you said it's somewhat sighted in. I shot one arrow, punched the center of the target at 20. I'm like, well, that's good. Um, and due to the digital react technology, you said now, based off of that shot, I put in 222 feet per second. That's on, right. That's what I measured your arrows at in the lab. Didn't yep. have to, I literally didn't touch anything else. I shot maybe, I shot 10 arrows. I know for a fact, I shot 10 arrows yep. at 20, 23, 25, that area shot 10 arrows. And then I'm like, you know what, dude, let's just see how good this technology is. See how well it works. And I was up on the deck. Um, now, now the one I did in the video, I wasn't, but I was up on the deck for the first 60 yard shot. And you're like, dude, you're just going to drop it. Like you, you roll you it to 60, down, baby. Like, you're just going to launch one. I'm like, you say your technology works. Why not? And so I cranked that down to 60 and I put three arrows in the target. I mean, I was like, dude, this technology works. <laughs> Dropped a 5,000 grain bomb at 60 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it hit that target, dude, it went off like a stinking, uh, uh like Joey punching, uh, punching bag it went off i mean seriously <laughs> to think about the fact that you could just roll a, a site to 60 that you put 10 arrows through at 20 yards essentially not only a new site i put 10 arrows through this bow I yeah put 10, it's yeah. a new bow it's a new release um it's uh, literally everything was i never shot this bow this release these arrows this site but 10 shots i got to 60 elevated from a deck downhill and put them on the target. I'm like, dude, this 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 site is the real deal. Yeah, and you know the cool thing is, uh, one of the guys at work. One of the things he loves about the digital rack the most is, let's say he's, um, you know, he's out shooting in his yard and he's just trying to, you know, shoot some hunting scenarios. He's not always gonna stand at 30 or 40 or 50. He's like, if I want to go stand at 62, I can stand at 62 yards, yeah. and then I can just roll the site and it says 62 yards on the site and it's going to hit where I'm aiming. Now, I will say this. I will say this. I have, and I've said this for the last two years on this podcast, my favorite site is a three-pin slider on a dovetail. I will probably most likely put a trio head on that site. 
uh, because I still get all the technology. I'm not changing the technology. I'm not changing how any of that works. I'm just putting a three-pin site housing on that so I have 20, 30, 40. And you absolutely um, can do that. Too. Yeah. And That's then some you, of the versatility yeah. in that site. And then I can still dial it out and shoot 62.5. You said That's you right. Said 0.5, yes, I can That's do right, half-yard increments with this bow site. Not, again, not that... Not that anybody, I, mean, I shouldn't say anybody, um, but there are a select few. Very <laughs> none of us are going to shoot a half yard that. difference. I can tell you that, um, especially not Gabe. But sorry, bro, I had to throw that in there. Um, you did miss my target. You missed. You lost one of my arrows because you missed the target. You better tell the truth now. Come on. Uh, that is the truth. You missed the target, lost my arrow. Yeah, that's true. But he handed me the bow with the react <laughs> sight on forty yards, and we're at twenty. Or like 18, actually. 18 yards, and it's set for 40 yards, and you got one pin. So it's not like I, you know, messed the pin. I guess up, it's up to is... the. I guess it's up to the shooter to make sure his equipment's ready, though. Gosh, he's really throwing me <laughs> under the bus, man. No, it was 100% my fault. But one time, uh, one time, me and Adam Leitner uh, were. Should I tell him about all the cactuses you shot when all we the was cacti? In Texas? Cacti. That's correct. Sure. He shot at least three when we was in Texas. <laughs> yeah. You made it sound like I was going to shoot 112. You're like, dude, he shot at least three. Yeah, they're good shots, though. Yeah, I put them. I put a hole in the cactus. But no, one time Adam Leitner said, "Hey, can I shoot your bow?" And we were at a bow shop. I said, "Sure, yeah." Never even thought about it. Like we weren't. He grabbed it and went off and shot, and I heard, Ka-kong! and I'm like, "What just happened to my bow?" And I walk in there, and there's my arrow stuck in the ceiling up there. Um, <laughs> and he's standing at 20 yards. I'm like, dude, what did you do? Like. Because Adam's a good shot. And I'm like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, crap, dude. I was shooting at 120 yards last night. I said, let me see that sight real quick. And the sight was dialed all the way down to 120. So he's sitting there at at 20. He might have been at 30, but he's sitting there, and he just launches it and hits it right (laughs) in the ceiling. Um, So, yeah, it was 100% my fault. But you did get to shoot the bow. You did shoot the – you shot the execute. You shot the refine last year. You shot the redemption. Um, what did you think the execute compares to it? Well, I absolutely hate sounding cliche. So I really thought you were going to say I absolutely hate the bow. And I'm no, like, I'm not going really. There. I just don't want to be like, oh, it's the greatest thing I ever shot. But because it just sounds so cliche. But man, I would say like kudos to Bear because that's phenomenal, phenomenal piece of equipment. The draw cycle, unbelievable. The back wall. I'm going to go ahead and say that Donald Trump built that back wall because it is solid. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here fo- first, folks. Yeah, I mean, honestly, who real, knew? It just, who it, knew? Bear Archery hired Trump. Hired Trump. It's just a great bow. I'll say that it really is phenomenal. You're gonna have some massive rumors going around, by the way. Did we just get political on this? Nope, we didn't. All right. We'll blame it on Joey. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, I'm gonna throw it to you, Joey. I ask every single one of my guests, and I'm not gonna ask these two thugs because um, I don't want to. But I ask every single one of my guests, what's a hunting 101 tech tip you've got for us? Something that you can give me to make myself a better hunter with. So I'm going to stop. I haven't told you what I'm going to ask you. I'm giving you specifics here. The biggest lesson you learned in your first year that that has applied to this year. And then secondly, a something for somebody to train. Um, because I hear it all the time. They're like, well, dude, I, I live in the city. I can't shoot. Uh, but you can still strengthen those muscles. You can still improve um, your health to be a better shot uh, at, at your house and your basement, really. Um, which uh, my brother is a strong believer in in shooting a bow makes you a better bow shot. 
<laughs> you know, he said one time, one time, one time he told me, he told me, uh, it was on a podcast with Aaron Schneider and he said, he said, Michael Jordan was quoted as somebody asked him, how do I jump higher? And he said, jump more. And so to be a better bow shot, there is absolutely no substitute for shooting your bow more. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm promoting here. But if there was a couple of exercises that somebody could implement to make them more stable in their in their holding, to make them stronger in, in their draw, uh, you know, maybe it's somebody, you know, like my wife, for instance, who's trying to build her draw weight up. Um, what are some things that they can do at home to, to build that strength and to, to be a better bow shot? Am I allowed to talk now? Yep. All right. So first question was uh, a tip in general. Yep. From my first hunt. Yep. Uh, hands down, find uh, a guide or an outfitter. A hundred percent. Be around people who have done what you are looking to do or are at the level at which you aspire to be at. Uh, mentor, friend, buddy, family member, anybody uh, that you can. And if it comes down to finances, it is 100% worth putting the money into it because you will get that money back tenfold in the knowledge that you acquire and then the confidence you gain to do it on your own. The moment I just went on an elk hunt and the moment I got out of that truck, I said, hi, my name's Dylan Ray. Nice to meet you. I'm excited to hunt with you. And I said, so this time of year, what do you think the elk are doing? What elevation do you think they're at? Where, you know, just asking him everything I can ask him because I want to come home with as much elk knowledge as I can possibly gain in that one week. So a hundred percent. And don't, don't be afraid to ask questions um, when you're with somebody like that. Lifting tips, lifting tips. uh, For me, I think the most applicable to people will be to strengthen your upper back. uh, And I think some exercises that will really help, uh, if you can do pull-ups, awesome. If you can't do pull-ups, something like a recline row or a lot of people have TRX systems or even uh, rings, like gymnastics rings. You can do uh, those rows off the rings to help build that upper back. And I'm a big proponent of uh, like getting your rear delt stronger in general. I think a lot of people neglect rear delt work. I think a lot of people want anterior and lateral delts. But if you can strengthen the rear delts by doing some bent over rear delt flies or even something like, what are you laughing Gabe at? said, what's a delt? <laughs> it's this hunk of meat on your shoulder. Uh, he said, do I have delts? I, listen. How do my delts look? Listen, when I first saw Gabe, at first thing I thought was, that's a, that's a stout man. He has a horse Specimen. neck. I'm a horse, horse neck, neck and some poor arms. I'm putting the biggest buck on this property. <laughs> uh, yeah, so That does it. We're killing a monster. <laughs> So hit those muscles um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of, I think a lot of pulling movement patterns will help people, especially in the, the upper body region. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it there. Just, I think it's a solid pl- place to start when it comes to just getting better at your draw uh, and, and stability in the upper body to be able to maintain that position to, to pull off a nice shot. Where can they find you on social media, Joey? Uh, they can find me Zat Strength on all platforms. S Z A T. Then the word strength. Uh, if you type it in Google or any social media, that's that's where you can find me. Gabe, where can they find more information about Hill Creek? Probably best bet is to hit me up on Instagram. Uh, send me a direct message, Gabe underscore the Way Outdoors, and uh, yeah, let's have a conversation. 
obviously uh trophy ridge bear archery um guys i would i would 100 percent. i promise you this do not write off this execute 32 do not write off the digital react technology i would highly encourage you to find a dealer and shoot a i would encourage you to shoot every bow um, pick them all up because they're going to fit you different they're going to feel different you know a bow that i love you might not love uh, a bow that gabe loves i might hate um so pick up every bow shoot them all but do not write off the execute 32 because it will perform with every single bow on the market i promise you that but before we go i got to give one more shout out to my friends over at nick's knife works i myself i know gabe is pretty much every outdoorsman is a fan of knives my boy nick deeker from kansas and wichita does it and does it really well he'll build you a custom knife exactly how you want it i was showing gabe mine earlier uh like i told you i'm a huge fan of wearing a binocular harness at all times i literally sent him dimensions i sent him measurements of my binocular harnesses and i want it to be really light i want it to fit right here i want it to be oriented so i can grab it just like this and that's what he built me and that knife stays on my binocular harness at all times so i've got a knife with me um, but guys check out nick's knife works but thanks for listening and you guys have a fantastic week <laughs>